0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. The current sermon series is entitled Living Wisely. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, please visit our website at www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. In late 1977, country music artist, Johnny Paycheck, released a song that became an anthem for the working class in his generation. Take This Job and Shove It was about the bitterness of a man who was fed up with his employer, tired of working hard for very little, and had lost his reason, his purpose for working. The lyrics of the chorus read like this, Take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more. My woman done left and took all the reasons I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way, cause I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more. Kind of sounds like a country song, doesn't it? You didn't even have to hear the music to know that it was a country song, right? I mean, it's definitely not a rap song. The song spent two weeks at number one in a total of 18 weeks on the country music charts in early 1978. Although it was Paychecks' only number one hit, it did inspire a Hollywood film uh, with the same name that was released about three years later, 1981. Interestingly, the title of the song eventually became more popular than the song itself. Uh, The phrase, take this job and shove it, has become a part of the American vernacular whenever someone resigns their position to pursue a better opportunity or just a life of leisure where they don't want to work anymore. It's estimated that American workers spend about one-third of their lifetime working. Contrary to popular belief, the answer to our struggles at work is not a life of leisure without work. God made us to work, among other things, thus the answer is to see work from God's perspective. And that's what Solomon is going to help us do this morning. I want to invite you to open up your copy of God's Word with me to Proverbs 23, chapter 23, excuse me, and we're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs called Living Wisely. If you uh, forgot your Bible, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring one to you so that you can follow along with us. I also want to encourage you to take out the sermon note outline that's in your worship folder so that you can follow along with me, Proverbs chapter Twenty-three, And after you get there, I'll take a look at the memory verse, the series key verse for this series in Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, if you haven't underlined it in your Bible already, I want to encourage you to do so. But let's read it out loud together. Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Uh, We've been learning throughout this series in Proverbs this summer that wisdom is the skillful application of God's Word to every area of our lives for His glory and our good. I think one of the things that Solomon is saying here in Proverbs 9-10 is that if you want to become wise, you must begin with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you've heard me say before, such a relationship is made possible by repenting of your sin and by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, trusting in him alone for your salvation. Now throughout this series, Solomon, who was one of the wisest people to have ever lived, uh, tells us one simple truth in several different ways. And that is that wisdom reaps blessings. So that should be one of the motivations for us to gain wisdom by studying God's word, but foolishness reaps cursing. The book of Proverbs states in no uncertain terms that we can become wise by learning from the mistakes of fools, or we can be the fools while others learn from us. I don't know about you, but um, the former sounds better than the latter to me. You know, not only does work consume a significant chunk of our lives, uh, it also creates many challenges and requires many decisions in our lives. So, you know, when people complain about something, hey, how was your week? Oh, man, the boss is just riding me hard, and oh, this, or somebody got promoted above me, or whatever, or they changed my job description. Or, we need wisdom, for example, when it comes to, should I change jobs, should, should I, what do, how do I handle an issue that I'm dealing with at work, with my boss, or a conflict? And so there are all sorts of problems and challenges and struggles that come in our lives, out of our work, our careers. So thus, our, our big idea for today is this, the wise work hard for the Lord, while fools hardly work for anything. The wise work hard for the Lord. While fools hardly work for anything. Solomon answers at least two questions, maybe more, in the various Proverbs we're going to look at this morning. Uh, The first one is what distinguishes a hard worker from a lazy one? And then, secondly, he answers the question what are the benefits of being a hard worker for a lifetime? So, with that, if you would look at Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. He writes, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Here's number one on your outline, the first truth that I think we can glean about work from the Proverbs, and that is this. Wise workers think biblically about their work Wise workers think biblically about their work. Whether you know it or not, there's an American dream that is being perpetuated and pushed upon us every day in our culture, and it contains a lie. The lie is that you will find satisfaction by getting all that your hearts desire. However, Solomon says, don't fall for that trap. Too few Christ followers, I have found, have a biblical worldview of work. Notice in verse 4, he says, Do not toil. The uh, original language for, for toil, the Hebrew, uh, uses a, it's a word that means to labor to the point of exhaustion or weariness. And then he says, Be discerning enough to desist. It's an interesting choice of words in the ESV. It simply means to have the wisdom or foresight to restrain yourself. In fact, some translations use that rendering instead of desist. Restrain yourself from wasting your life in the pursuit of wealth. Why? Well, the sage answers the question in verse 5. He says, when your eyes light on it, it's gone. Now, this is a little difficult to understand in the ESV, but what he's saying, in essence, is that solely working to obtain wealth is a waste of time because one can spend years building wealth only to see it vanish in seconds. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter two, Solomon uh, describes all the worldly pleasures that he acquired with his unlimited wealth, or it seemed unlimited. He describes in Ecclesiastes chapter two, Um, houses, multiple houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, servants, herds, flocks, silver, gold, handsome men, beautiful women, uh, sports chariots, luxury chariots, private planes, the latest technology, and even his own live house band. Okay, I made a couple of those up just to see if you're paying attention. He did have a live house band, though. He says in Ecclesiastes 2, he had his own singers, okay? So I'm assuming... Since there wasn't jukeboxes around back then, he could say, sing me this song. But, but here's what he concluded. After gaining all that stuff, he writes this in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 11. It was all vanity and a striving after wind. Now, here's what's sad I find about the sin nature, is that some people hear that and go, yeah, but I still like to try. I still would like to try and get all that stuff, and I bet I could find a way to enjoy it and find purpose and fulfillment in it. But what Solomon is screaming, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, don't do it. Listen to me. I've been there. I had it all. And it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't satisfying. It didn't feed my soul. It left me feeling empty. It was like chasing the wind. Can you catch the wind? Obviously, the answer is no. You can't. You can't chase the wind and catch it. And so, what should you do if the Lord has blessed you with wealth then? Well, you should thank the Lord for his blessing, be humble, be generous, and lay up treasure in heaven, like Jesus said. We're neither moth nor. Rust will destroy. Here's a quick survey of what the scriptures say about work. I felt I needed to kind of give you this as a backdrop or a foundation before we jump into what Proverbs says about work. And so uh, here's A, B, and C for you uh, real quick. What What the scriptures say about work. Letter A, work makes us like God. And I don't mean fond of God, I mean... Similar to him. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, we're told that the Lord worked when he made creation. This is contrary to popular belief because many people think that work is part of the curse from the fall. Genesis 3.19 is the reference there that's often used. But instead, Genesis 3.19 tells us that work is harder because of the fall. But work is not the curse. You see, work existed before the fall in Genesis 1. In fact, Genesis 1 tells us the Lord worked in creating creation. Then it tells us that he made Adam, placed him in the garden to work it. Rule over the creation and take care of it. If you want references on that, it's Genesis 1.28 In Genesis 2.15. Thus, by working, we as image bearers, made in the image of God, create, we produce, we make plans, and we implement them just like God did. So, working makes us like God. Here's letter B. Hard work glorifies the Lord. Hard work glorifies the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, 23-24, Paul tells us that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now there are three things that have always intrigued me about Colossians 3:23 and 24. Uh, First of all, the all-inclusive article, whatever. I think this means that our best effort should be put forth into everything we do—not just our work, but our chores, our studies, um, our serving at the church, our worship, etc. Another thing that's always fascinating me about Colossians 3:23 and 24 is his use of the, the word. Uh, well, in the English, it's rendered "work heartily." Uh, the Greek literally means "from the soul." It's ex succes. It from the soul or out of the soul. Uh, another rendering we can make for it is, put your heart into it. That's what he wants us to do. And the third thing that has always intrigued me about Colossians 3, 23 and 24 is that regardless of how much compensation or whether we get compensated at all, we should give our best effort because the Lord sees what we are doing and he says he will reward us. Parents, that's a good thing to remind your kids when they're doing their chores. Just saying. Here's the third th- truth about work that the scriptures tell us. Let us see, hard work provides for our needs. It provides for our needs. Paul told, told the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3:10 that if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Thus, there should be no freeloaders in the Lord's church. The Lord not only intended our work to provide for our own needs, but also for the needs of our family. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul advised Timothy, who was pastoring in Ephesus, to: uh, if anyone does not uh, provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own households, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So hard work provides for our needs. So how, how can we what, what can we apply? how can we walk in the truth and actually do what the Word of God says when it comes to these things about work these these truths about work that we looked at here's here's an application that comes to mind: dedicate your work to the Lord. dedicate your work to the Lord. Now it sounds sort of mundane, but I'm actually surprised how few Christians do this. You see, it means that if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you should make pleasing Him not only your top priority at work, but also in your entire life. And and after you dedicate your work to Him, it frees you up to trust Him with the results of your work. For example, if you don't get a raise or a promotion that you were expecting, if your motive is always to please the Lord and you've dedicated your work and career to Him, you're freed up to say, that's okay. I didn't get that raise or that promotion. I wasn't working for a raise anyway. I was working for the Lord. And He sees what I'm doing. And He promises to take care of me and to reward my work. So dedicate your work to the Lord. The wise work hard for the Lord, while fools hardly work for anything. Next, if you would, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Turn back to chapter 12. We're going to be hopping around and looking at several different verses this morning. Proverbs 12, verse 11. The sage writes, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So here's number two on your outline. Hard workers generally have an easier life. Hard workers generally have an easier life. In a simple sense, Proverbs breaks Down workers into two categories. The fool, who's a lazy sluggard. And you're going to see that terminology used over and over again here this morning. And then there's the wise man or woman who is diligent and hardworking and and has insight. So that's what we're going to see this morning. So so we'll spend the next few minutes looking at the hard worker that's wise. And generally, they have an easier life. Look at... um, Uh, Verse 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. The word that's used in the Hebrew text here for plenty is interesting to me because it, it means to be satisfied or fulfilled. Sadly, there's a lie from the world that too many American Christians believe, and it's this, plenty is never enough because you deserve more. And to make matters worse, our sin nature will be prone to covet when we see others that appear to have more than enough. You see, enough is fuzzy, isn't it? How much is enough? Is it one new car and a used one? Or is it two new cars? Is it a two-stall garage or a three-stall garage? How much is enough? And what we struggle with is when we see others that have more than us, or at least we think they have more, and we, interestingly, we always compare up, don't we? We don't compare down. We don't compare down and see and thank the Lord that we have more than others do. Instead, we look up and we go, oh, but I don't have what they have. Solomon is saying the person who works hard, may not have everything they want, but they will have everything they need. In contrast, the fool that looks to get rich quick, or gambles, plays the lottery, signs up for pyramid schemes and other shams like that, he will end up wasting his efforts. That's what the second half of the verse is saying. He who follows worthless pursuits lacks Sense. So, uh, here's a. If you would turn with me to Proverbs 13, um, verse 4, and there's a typo on your outline. I apologize for this. Um, it says letter A. It says is uh, Proverbs 12:27, but it should be 13:4. I'm going to be transparent with you. To tell you what happened. When I made my outline, I just looked at Proverbs 12:27 and. Sent it off to the printer Friday. Last night, I looked more closely at Proverbs 27, 12, 27, and I realized it's not saying what I made point A say. I can't preach that. That's, that's, I can't manipulate that. And so I knew that point A was true, though, so I found another proverb that says that, which is thirteen four. So I apologize for that. I'll get that changed on the... PDF that goes up on the website. Proverbs thirteen four, Solomon says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Here's letter A on your outline. Some hard workers become wealthy. Some become wealthy. Now, when we interpret this verse, we have to be careful to avoid making it say something it doesn't say. Something that the author never intended, or something that we want to hear, that then we can hold God's feet to the fire on. We've got to be careful there. As I mentioned at the beginning of this series, the book of Proverbs contains general observations from which one of the wisest men that ever lived recorded. Thus, Proverbs is... Uh, when we interpret Proverbs, we need to look at it as sort of, under the right circumstances, this usually or generally happens but not always, okay? Now, I've made point A. Some become wealthy on purpose because not all hard workers become what we would consider rich. And then what you consider rich and what I would consider rich is going to be different, okay? Although most workers work Hard, not all workers have the wisdom or skills to increase their income. Take, for example, two hard-working plumbers. They both start off in the same year doing house calls, fixing people's plumbing problems. One remains a plumber his entire life and retires, doing the same thing he's done for 35 years. But the other steps out on his own after a short time to launch his own plumbing business and grows it, hiring several staff and expanding into multiple markets. Did one work harder than the other? No, not in this story. Instead, one had leadership, business, and marketing skills, and the other didn't. And that's what made the difference. It wasn't about who worked harder. So some become wealthy and some don't. But generally speaking, those that are working hard and diligent will have their needs supplied. Next, if you would turn to Proverbs 22. Here's the next quality that Solomon uses to describe the hard worker. Proverbs 22, verse 29. He writes, Do you see a man who's skillful in his work? He will stand before kings, and he will not stand before obscure men. Here's letter B Another quality of hard workers is that they are eligible for promotion. They are eligible for promotion. Uh, Solomon poses the question in the ESV, do you see a man skillful in his work? The Hebrew word that's used for skillful here not only refers to competency, but also uh, to one who is quick, prompt, and ready. It suggests that this person not only works hard, but also works hard at improving their skills, at getting better. They, they practice their guitar, or they... They, they take more classes and get more education and are always striving to get better and to improve. And that person will have opportunities open up for them. Uh, Solomon's reference to kings could refer to anybody in authority, bosses, business leaders. Uh, he's contrasting those in positions of authority that can promote someone versus the person that works next to obscure, unknown men. So Solomon poses the question, though, because he, and he, he puts it as a question in the ESV translation because he's, he's saying that talented people get promoted, and that's common, and it will continue to happen because talented people are always in demand. And so, he asked the question, assuming we've all seen what he's seen. Do you know how skillful people get promoted? Yeah, 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 I've seen that happen, yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you that if somebody works hard and gets better at their craft, they'll be promoted. They won't remain obscure. That's what he's saying. Some people tend to think that successful people have always been that way or have had success handed to them. But this is usually not the case. Take, for example, Walmart founder, Sam Walton. A few people know that Walton's family uh, lived on a farm in Oklahoma during the Great Depression. In order to make ends meet, he helped his family out by milking the family cow and then driving the milk out to customers. He also delivered newspapers and sold magazine subscriptions. By age 26, Walton was managing a variety store after he had graduated from the University of Missouri with a BA in economics. He then used $5,000 that he had earned in the army and a $20,000 loan from his father-in-law to buy a Ben Franklin variety store in Arkansas. He expanded the chain, then went on to found Walmart and Sam's Club. And I think it goes without saying, that's now a multi-billion dollar enterprise. But it's a good reminder that we need to make sure we don't compare our chapter 3 in our story to someone else's chapter 21. And that we make sure, we remind ourselves that most people that are successful and have done well didn't start out that way. They worked hard, and they sacrificed, and they got better, and educated themselves and sharpened their skills, and they work their way up. Next, if you would turn back to Proverbs 21, just flip back a page to 21, verse 5. Here's another quality of the hard, industrious worker. Solomon says in Proverbs 21, verse 5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Here's letter C on your outline. The third quality of a hard worker. They make plans with open hands. The wise worker patiently and diligently plans his steps. He or she studies God's word, prays and seeks godly counsel. They evaluate what the Lord is doing around them. But in contrast, the the fool um, is impatient and impulsive. The fool uh, is too proud to study God's word or to seek godly counsel or to pray or to evaluate his circumstances. And as a result, both the wise worker and the fool reap what they've sowed. So what what can we do here uh, when it comes to applying these proverbs about the hard worker? Here's one application that comes to mind. Trust the Lord with your career. Trust the Lord with your career. As Christ followers, we must be careful not to ignore God's sovereignty when it comes to advancing in our career. Should we work hard and sharpen our skills and network relationships without resumes and do job interviews? Absolutely. But we should also realize the Lord has a bigger plan that he is executing in our lives that goes way beyond job descriptions and salaries. Our gospel witness and his kingdom agenda that he's executing are more important to him than our title, position, or benefits package. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So in other words, Proverbs says it's okay to make plans, it's okay to do that, but we need to do it with open hands because the Lord sometimes will go, Nah, I don't want you doing that. I want you doing this instead. He doesn't always, but he will sometimes. He always, though, gets his way. Proverbs 19, 21, if you want to jot that down. But the wise work hard for the Lord, while fools hardly work for anything. Next, if you would turn to Proverbs 15, verse 19. Proverbs 15, verse 19. We're going to transition now. We're going to look at the sluggard or the fool, the lazy person, the second class or category of worker. Proverbs 15, verse 19. The sage writes, The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Here's number three on your outline. Lazy workers usually have a harder life. Lazy workers usually have a harder life. Like a hedge of thorns, he writes. Here the sage is using a contrasting couplet with two powerful similes. I want you to notice them. Notice in the first half of the verse, the sluggard His way, that refers to his life or the steps he takes, is like a hedge of thorns. So it's, think of the thorny bush that you tried to avoid as a kid because you'd get all those stickers in you or whatever. He's saying the sluggard has a rough life. He just keeps stepping in thorns and branches and bushes. Whereas on the other hand, the wise, upright, hard worker, Lives a life in comparison. It feels like driving down a freshly paved interstate highway in a luxury car. See, the, 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 the fool, the sluggard, his indecision, his procrastination, and his selfishness all cause compounding problems in his life. But not so with the upright hard worker. So what are some of the thorns that lazy people run into? If you would turn back to chapter 10, verse 4. Chapter 10, verse 4. Solomon says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So here's letter A. I'm going to give you three characteristics of the poor, or excuse me, of the lazy worker. Letter A, many of them end up poor. Many of them end up poor. Now, I don't, I don't usually like to comment on political issues in my preaching, but I will if the issue contradicts something that's taught in Scripture. So if you'll give me a little bit of slack on my leash here for two minutes, I'm going to tread carefully here. Um, and and, and say a couple things I've been thinking about as I've watched the news and I've run the news through my scripture filter. There's a push that some are making in our country for socialism and income equality. Have you heard about that? Yeah. And they're doing it in the name of Jesus. But this is dangerous because it's based on at least two false assumptions. The first false assumption is that everyone is putting forth equal effort in their work. But that's not true, as you can see here in Proverbs, right? Clearly we can see from the book of Proverbs that there are hard workers, there are lazy workers, and varying degrees probably in between. Thus compensating everyone The same would discourage hard work and reward some that are lazy. The second false assumption that socialism and income equality are leaning on is that everyone has equal talent. Which again is not true. When Jesus told the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, and if you haven't read that, I encourage you to read it. Matthew chapter 25, you can jot that down in the margin of your notes. But one of the often overlooked truths in that parable is that the master, who is Jesus in the story, didn't give every worker the same amount of talents or money to invest. One was given five. One was given two, and the last one was given one talent. And it says this in the text. It's Matthew 25, verse 15. Each according to his ability. What that means is that the master, who's Jesus in the story, assessed the ability of the three servants and then gave them the talents or the money to invest based on their ability. In advance, And then each worker was expected to maximize what the Lord had given them. So in other words, one of the many reasons not everyone in the world is wealthy is because the Lord knows not everyone can handle the responsibilities that come with wealth. Some are better with money than others are. And the Lord knows that. And some are more talented than others are. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, I'd at least like to try handling some of those responsibilities. Give me a shot. That's between you and the Lord. (laughs) Now, God's Word says that some people are poor because they are lazy. It says others are poor because they've reaped consequences for their sin. And it says others are poor because they are victims of other people's sin. So we can't just lump all poor people into the same bucket. There are different varying reasons why they are there in that situation. And, of course, the Scriptures do say that as Christians we should should help the poor, and, and, and I think there are various ways we can help them. But what I am saying is watch the news with your Scripture filter on. And before you believe something, ask yourself... What does God's word say about this? And this is true. And it doesn't matter what network you're watching, by the way. CNN, put the scripture filter on. And Fox, put the scripture filter on, okay? Uh, be discerning about these things. Solomon says in the Proverbs, most lazy workers end up poor. Now, soapbox done Probably be a long time before I have another one of those. But what other thorns do they step on? Turn with me to chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 23. 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk ends only, or tends only to, pro- to poverty, excuse me. Here's letter B. The second characteristic of lazy workers is they talk too much. They talk too much. Some lazy people have a hundred different ideas but implement, implement none of them. Others seem to have an excuse for not having a job or not getting their work done. One of the, most, the best examples I can think of is, um, comes from the popular Christmas movie, uh, Christmas Vacation. Uh, 1989, it was released. It's one of the most popular Christmas movies of all time. If you just Google, like, best Christmas movies of all time, it's usually in the top 10 or 20. It stars Chevy Chase and Randy Quaid. If you've seen the movie, you might remember that a critical pivot point in the movie takes place when Clark Griswold, who's played by Chevy Chase, is uh, out in the front lawn with his family, and they're admiring his 25,000-light Christmas display that he put on the house. And while standing in front of the lawn uh, after weeks of struggling to get his lights working, suddenly Clark is shocked to see his wife's cousin, Catherine, and her husband, Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, show up unannounced to spend the holidays with them. So they bring Catherine and Eddie, their two kids, Rocky and Ruby Sue, and a Rottweiler dog they affectionately call Snots. Eddie later admits that they are living in an RV that they drove into town on because he is broke, and I think, if I remember correctly, he gave all his money away to a TV preacher. And um, he was forced to sell his home as a result. Later that fateful evening, uh, Clark and his wife Ellen are having a private conversation about Cousin Eddie not being able to provide Christmas presents for Rocky and Ruby Sue. And the conversation goes something like this. Clark says, how can they have no presents for their children at Christmas? To which Ellen says, well, honey, he's been out of work for close to seven years. And then Clark says, seven years? He couldn't find a job? And then Ellen says, well, Catherine, cousin Catherine tells me that he's holding out for a management position. <laughs> so... Lazy workers they talk too much and I might add they have unrealistic expectations too. Next, if you would turn to Proverbs 12:27, Proverbs 12:27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Here's letter C, the third characteristic of the lazy worker. They don't complete their work. When Solomon says they will will not roast their game, the first half of this proverb is in essence saying that the lazy person may go out to hunt. It's it's a metaphor. They may go out to hunt. They'll bring what they caught home and then not follow through with cooking it or expect someone else to cook it for them. So, so, So the metaphor is referring to those that can't finish what they've started Some sluggards may start several different projects and call it multitasking, but never finish one because they lack the self-discipline to follow through on any of them. Sometimes it's because they get bored easily and they want to move on to the next exciting thing. But Solomon says uh, the sluggard doesn't follow through and complete his work or projects. He has excuses as to why not. So they don't complete their work letter C. Application. What do we do with this? I want to suggest that we humbly evaluate our work ethic. Everybody thinks they are a great worker. I mean, have you ever met somebody that said, yeah, I I really stink at work. I'm not good at it. Yeah, I pretty much like to lay around all day, do nothing. No, no, it's... That'd be like somebody who says, no, I've not been busy at all. In fact, I'm bored. That's why I haven't called you. No, whenever you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Of course they say they're busy. We're all busy. But everybody thinks they're a great worker, but here's the question I want to ask you. Does your supervisor think so? Or do your subordinates think so? Business Insider Magazine recently published an article on their website titled, Seven Common Characteristics of Lazy Employees. Among them, a few of the characteristics that were listed that often mask laziness were complaining, making excuses, procrastination, not taking initiative, etc. So do you show up for work on time, regardless of whether you are a supervisor or a subordinate? Do you turn in quality work that's prompt? I want to encourage you to humbly evaluate your work ethic. Well, let's think biblically as a church about our work and our careers and let's dedicate our careers and our work to the Lord because the wise work hard for the Lord while fools hardly work for anything. And I want to suggest as you as we close our time this morning, that if you can do that, if you can do what we talked about this morning, you might just be able to say, take this job, because I love it. I love it. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, I know there are some here today or maybe listening online that are looking for work. They, they don't want to be perceived as lazy. Perhaps the, their industry is downsized and changed or health issues have hit them. And I just ask, please, Lord, would you provide? Would you open doors? It's hard. It's very difficult to look for work. There's always that struggle, Lord, of the longer a person goes should they should they take a lesser paying job just to get something but then that job could keep them from getting what they really need or are qualified for because if they're busy just working a lower income job that they're overqualified for they may not have time to get back into their career. so please Father give them wisdom and provide Lord for others I Just ask that you would, by your Spirit, just reveal any attitudes or habits that need to change where they work. If there's anything, Lord, that might be hindering their witness for Christ in the workplace, would you show them what that is so they can fix it? And, Lord, for those that are blessed financially would you give them wisdom on how they can steward what you've entrusted to them well and for those that are struggling financially Lord please would you give them wisdom on what they can do to increase income and reduce expenses would you give them wisdom on whether there needs to be a change in job or career most importantly Lord put them where you can use them to advance the gospel in the workplace we love you and we thank you lord for the wisdom that you gave solomon and that you inspired him to record it we pray this in jesus name amen again we hope you've enjoyed listening to the vanguard bible church podcast by pastor carrie knack for more information about vanguard bible church please visit our website at www.vanguardbible.org have a great week and we hope to see you at vanguard bible church